Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome back to episode 60 of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. It blows my mind that we are 60 episodes in. First episode, I didn't think that we would make it this far. I didn't think anybody would listen. And we actually have two guests today. One guest who was brought up during the first episode. We had a little debate on, and I think people thought that I was upset with him and people thought that he was upset with me. It was all in good fun. I think we'll get into that story a little bit later. But today's guest are two brothers who I would say have their name etched in senior baseball as some of the all-time great players. They are one is currently a Clark baseball product and the other left his stamp at Clark University as well. Today, we welcome senior Ram varsity assistant coach Michael Blake and his little brother, current Clark baseball two-way player, Johnny Blake, to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us on, Nick. Yeah, thank you. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk to you guys and I'm excited to talk to talk to Clark people because I just have that much love and respect for Andrew Redman and Coach Spain and and I haven't really talked to too many senior people. So it's excited. I'm excited to be able to sit down with you guys. Now this episode is sponsored by the Chief Bat Company. You can find them on Facebook. Ben Ogden does great work. And while I was searching through their Facebook page, the Chief Bat Company I noticed that our guest today, Michael Blake, swings a chief fungal bat. Michael, we're all about shameless plugs here on the podcast. Can you give a plug to the chief bat company? Yeah, Ben did a great job uh, making my fungal. I love it. Um, it's got nice Dubuque Senior logo on it, Dubuque Senior colors. It doesn't get much better than that. So thanks a lot to Ben for making it, and I'll probably be hitting him up again for another one soon. So. I noticed that. And have too many. I noticed that, and it, and it does look very sharp. It really does stand out. So, first question I have for you two is, Michael, what years did you play at senior, and who were some of your teammates that were some of the top players in that area when you played? Uh, I was at senior, so I graduated in 2013. So I would have played. I played five years, 2008 to 2013. Um, class above me had a lot of talent. Uh, 2012 class, we had Connor Grant, uh, Ryan Jantz, Dylan Merritt, Robbie Jones. Alex Steinis was a dominant pitcher that luckily he was on our team. Uh, my class was, I mean, I had Austin Bradley, who I 
believe has an appearance record maybe at Clark or maybe second at Clark or something for that. Um, at Mike Zelanskis, who helped me start the Dubuque Packers semi-pro team. The class below me was, again, very talented. Austin Clemens, Sam Knoll, David James. So, yeah, a lot of talent, a lot of talent, a lot of pitching uh, around my years at senior. That group, you're right, does have a lot of talent, and they had a lot of success at senior. And I know, I think that it would be a disappointment to say that none of those teams made it to the state tournament. I know in 2014, when I coached at Hempstead, when we were really good and we went to the state tournament, we were excited when we saw senior get upset by Clinton because we did not want to play senior because they had two dominating pitchers in Austin Clemens and Sam Nolan. We knew that Clinton only had one dominating pitcher who was finished after that first start. Now, Michael, when you think to when you played, we like reliving. We like going back. People and family members love hearing their name on the podcast. Who are some of the most feared hitters of the Dubuque schools in your time of playing? And who were some of the feared pitchers back when you played? Um, you know, we, as senior, I never liked to face Anthony Rudin from Waller. He was always, I, it never seemed like I could hit him ever. And... I want to say there was one year where he ended up beating us twice or something because the games were spread out. Um, he, uh, yeah, he just dominated. And he also, I never wanted to face him at the plate because it always seemed like it was a single through the five, six hole every single time. Never, never failed. Uh, Matt Hoffman was another big hitter over at Waller. Hempstead had some guys that we never liked facing. Chris Tompkins was great pitcher, great hitter. Dave Fitzgerald was another one. I, like my senior year, I think he shut us down pretty good on the mound, even though I don't know how much he pitched after that, but great stick in college. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. Jeremy Vossen, nice lefty, Dan Milius. Uh, like I said earlier, though, I was really glad we had some of the guys on our team, Alex Steinis. I'm glad I never had to face him. He was He's the one that always comes to mind when you talk about feared pitchers around here. Unfortunately, we never got to play West Dubuque when I was in high school, so not too, not too. Uh, don't know too many guys from out there. Uh, I know my cousin played out there as well, though. Cody Reimer was a good pitcher and good hitter for them. Yeah, but that was that's all I'm familiar with out there. Yeah, Cody had a, had a great career out there. It's funny you mentioned Anthony Rudin beating you guys twice in the same season. He did that to, that to us at Hempstead too when I was there. Um, yeah, shut us out the first game, and then the next game got canceled because of rain. We played it like two weeks later, and they threw him again, and he shut us down again. And I could never figure out why kids couldn't hit him. I mean, watching him from the first base box, I, I didn't see what um, made him so special. But I guess that's what why we coach is um, we think we can hit everybody. And we thought when we played, <laughs> the talent was much better than, than what it is now. I think that's just a generational thing. Now, when you were at senior, did you collect any awards or any conference accolades while you were there? Oh, I think I got honorable mention maybe or something my senior year. I don't know. I, uh, it's kind of hard to decipher my playing days from my coaching days anymore, it seems like. Um, but, yeah, I think honorable mention I got. 
You're right. And, and I do, I do want to throw this out there, um, the pink elephant in the room, because I think people think that you and I don't like each other or you and I don't get along. So on the first episode, I shared a story about somebody wearing a gold chain. And I was just in one of those moods where I was super annoyed and super upset. And I, I don't even know if we won or we lost the game, but I went and um, complained to the umpire about this gold chain and the reflection from the sun getting in my pitcher's eyes and he was struggling to throw strikes of it completely um, completely nonsense but I thought you were the player that was wearing that and you called me out on Twitter and the cool thing about that story was Max Kemp actually shot me a personal message and said that was actually him. And while he hated that at the time, he thought it was looking back at it. Now he thought it was hilarious. So I'm sorry. And just like just like you mentioned, you know, I've I've coached multiple sports for twenty some years, and stories are always legit. But sometimes names and players sometimes they get jumbled because there's so, there's so many um, across the years. Now, how long have you been coaching in the senior program? I've been there three years uh, since my last year at Clark I started. And have all of them been at the varsity level? Uh, no, actually, my first year was a sophomore head coach, and then I got up after that to the varsity assistant. Um, and actually, I was supposed to start out as a volunteer coach uh, my first year, but then all of a sudden, the sophomore job ended up opening up, and I jumped on that, and hit the ground running. So now how many years have you, or were you able to coach your brother, Johnny at senior? I coached all three years. What is it like being able to coach your brother at a very high level of high school baseball? We hear the Mississippi Valley conference, one of the um, top conferences in the state of Iowa, um, we know that the Dubuque area, even stretching out to Cascade and Beckman is just loaded with talent. So when you get to coach your brother, what, what kind of feelings, what kind of emotions do you have being able to do that and doing that for three years? Uh, looking back on it now, it's special. Um, just thinking about it, but at the time it, at the time it never really registered as something out of the ordinary because it just wasn't about us. We were just there. We were trying to win, get everyone better. But, you know, thinking back on it now, I remember we'd, he'd look down at me from the batter's box. I'd look him right in the eyes and it's almost like we had the same thought or something and we'd be on the same page. So, but at the time it just, yeah, at the time it was, wasn't anything crazy to us, but now looking back, it's pretty cool. And if you can look back at your brother's career, what moments were you most proud of him that you felt <laughs> honored that you got to coach him? Jeez, uh, there's a lot, but I'd say the times I'm most proud of him is when I'd get on his butt a little bit, even when he wouldn't deserve it, and almost just using him as an example, probably not fair to him, but... Uh, He'd bounce back or just shake it off like, yeah, whatever. Here, next pitch or next. He's uh, he's very good that way about moving on in the middle of a game and let not letting something, not letting something uh, sit with him and add on to the mental errors. And I mean, you can have physical errors. You can't get mad at physical errors, but 
he would, yeah, he bounced back. And that, that's what made me most proud. Well, I can tell you that all coaches make examples of family members when when they coach them. One year, I had Chris Johnson as my assistant coach at Hempstead, and his little brother, TJ, was on our team. And TJ should have been our leadoff hitter, and he should have been our number two hitter. But since his older brother was my assistant coach, I purposely made him our number four pitcher, and I hit him ninth. Just because I did not want anybody to think that I was playing any favoritism. I wanted him to come out and have great success on the mound and have great success playing. So it looked like he had earned that leadoff spot and that bump up to the number two spot. And we did make an example of him uh, many times. So I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one that, that did that or continues to do that. Now, what times uh, did your brother need an extra kick in the butt because he didn't meet your expectations or Coach Reese's expectations? Oh, I'm sure his first answer would be uh, when I'd get on him with his base running. I'm a big, I'm a big believer, and you got to take an extra base whenever you can. And even if you get thrown out every once in a while, I'd rather get thrown out being aggressive than you're hanging out at first when you probably could have made the second. Um, there was a couple times where I've gotten on his his butt about not taking extra bases and kind of just watching the play develop instead of doing what he's supposed to. So that's what comes to mind for me. Um, there's there's plenty of times, but those are the times that come because that's what that's what I thrived at was base running. That was my big thing. So because most of it's the base running is it's you don't have to be fast to be a good base runner. You just be smart, have good baseball IQ, get good reads. And so even if, I mean, Johnny's not the fastest kid in the world, neither am I, it kind of runs in our family. So, but I know that he could, he, he can step it up on the basis during some of our high school games. You're right. And, and good anticipation as well with uh, base running. Now, Johnny, thanks for waiting so patiently in the on-deck circle there. I hope you got to read some of my pitches so you're able to knock these questions out of the park. But what is one moment that stands out to you where your brother, Michael, your coach, just got on your butt and you got ticked off at him because you felt like it was unjust or or you felt like he was just making an example out of you and maybe somebody else was doing the same thing, but he was nice and coddling to them? Uh, so sophomore year, we were playing Waterloo West. I mean, obviously, definitely should be whooping up on him, and we weren't. We were losing, and <laughs> it was a rough day. I had a couple errors at third base. He pulled me in the middle of the inning at third base. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. And then he just i I got put back in right after it to go hit, but. It was. I think it was more of a test than anything. He took me out and you know, I saw how I'd react to that. And Michael, yeah, did was, you did you make a mound visit and make the switch, or was it just like a line change in hockey and somebody came running out to the dugout <laughs> to third base and then he came running back in? So I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure I just called him in. I was like, that's enough. I've seen enough. And uh, that was another situation though where I saw him bounce back and. I think he came up to the plate and I think he ended up hitting a double or something in the next inning and just bounced back. And I, that was probably on me. I don't know if he did. That might've been the first time he had played third base in a really long time. So I probably 
put him in a position to fail there a little bit. Probably on me, but so yeah, but it was good to see him bounce back. But I do remember that vividly. <laughs> you know what? But a rule of thumb that I always live by, if you play first base, you should be able to play third base. And if you play third base, you should also be able to play first base. Now, Johnny, we're going to um, make uh, your brother's head here a little big. We're going to talk about um, when you were growing up and you got to watch your brother play at senior, what did he do to inspire you to become a great player? And what part of his game or character did you add to your game based on just watching him play? I'd say, I don't know if I added this to my game, but just defensively, always just always making the play. And it was just kind of, I'm not that way. I'm not the greatest defensively. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but he's always making the play and always keeping a level head. And I'm just, I think that's a really good attribute to have is just always thin, even keel. Now, what was it like playing for your brother? Not a lot of people get to do that. Um, It's tough. It's tough. It's different. When I first started playing, it was just kind of like, I felt like I had to prove myself a little bit extra. So it didn't seem like I was getting favoritism played towards me, but... It, it's definitely it's tough. I mean, you're gonna get rolled a little bit harder, obviously. But and and I was gonna ask you that a little bit later, but but since you brought it up, do you ever feel both of you that parents or Michael for you players and Johnny for you that teammates thought that Johnny was getting some extra. Um, either playing time or extra innings on the mound or or he was being favored because you were on the coaching staff. Did you ever feel that um, as a player, Johnny, from your teammates or parents of your teammates? Not really, no. I mean, you're always kind of just a little bit on edge of it. But, like, I mean, they'll make jokes of it sometimes, obviously, messing around with me. But I don't think, no. I don't think anything too bad like that. Well, Johnny, I can tell you you made it easy for your brother because you had outstanding seasons at the varsity level. And I believe you made, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I believe you made the um, all Dubuque team that we did. If you haven't listened to that, listeners, go back and listen to that. But it's it's much easier when you're playing somebody that's playing well, That's that's a family member. Now, Michael, did you ever feel anything from any of the parents or any of the players that you were coaching that you that they thought maybe you were playing some favoritism toward him uh, no I never really never really uh got anything like that um I think anyone that knows Johnny knows that he earned his he earned his keep and earned everything that he has gotten for himself and yeah, I mean, he's he just he's putting the work. He's every off season he was putting in the work. He, he was a leader. He he's not a vocal leader, but he led by example, and people knew that and they could see it. You know, sometimes the guys that lead by examples are the best leaders because you see them doing it. Where a lot of times you'll see people are vocal leaders, but what they're trying to preach, they're not doing on their own, and and sometimes it, it comes across some um, pretty fake. Now. Johnny, what intangibles does your brother, Michael, bring to the coaching staff at Senior? Probably being able to get along with the players. I mean, not in like 
not be like being in a like a friendly way, but like being able to what's the word I'm looking for here? Build relationships with players. Yeah, like being yeah, being able to like connect with them and have being on that level with them. Being able to commu- communicate. And and with him still playing, whether it's semi pro and just you know, being in the program a couple of years ago, he's he's been there and, and he knows how to relate to late relate to you guys where I think you know, I lost a little bit of that the older I got because I was so far um, out from the game. Now, what are some of his greatest strengths as a coach that helped develop you and, and help develop other players? He talked about his love and his passion for base running, but what do you think he brings um, that helped develop you, whether it would be drills or, or mindset or work ethic? What are some of those things that helped you and your teammates? I would say mindset. I mean, just having that mindset where you're the guy, you just got to be the guy all the time. And I mean, I feel like that's what baseball's kind of about. You got to be confident to a certain point. Was there a time where he may have lost it on one of your teammates or, or an umpire and, and you're like, holy cow, I've never seen that side of my brother before. He's usually, he's usually pretty even keel and he just went off on this kid or this umpire. Any, any uh, situations that stand out? Uh, there was a time where we, no one knew what we were running for. It was after a bad, I mean, it was a bad day or game the day before and we were running the next practice before we even did anything and no one knew what we were running for it was all the starters ran i think all the starters anyone who played ran and like people that were on the bench like they didn't run at all no one everyone was wondering why it was finally clicked to us about halfway through that we were running because people on the bench didn't do their like jobs during the game or like charts and stuff like that um how do you guys celebrate a big win together? We don't really. We uh, just on to the next one. Um, this we kind of leave it at the field. We'll talk a little bit um, about stuff here and there after games, but no, there's not too much celebrating. We just kind of move on to the next. How can we get better? Uh, what mistakes do we might have won, but what mistakes do we make, and what can we do to you know, I, I do want to go back to the last question on a time your brother lost it. Um, I, I think it was the the West. No, it was the senior Wallert game. And there was a play at first base where I think the Wallert guy came up and it may have looked like he came off the base and the senior guy was called out and your brother was was uh, Michael was all over the umpire and, and was pretty vocal. And I could hear him from where I was socially distant, where I was sitting. And I think the uh, umpire may have even may have even told you that if you kept on talking about it, he was he was going to um, uh, suspend you to the dugout or sentence you to the dugout. Now, Johnny, was there a time or a story that stands out where your brother just kind of lost it or went off on an umpire? And and was he right or was he wrong? I don't know if the call. Um, it it was a close call. I I'd say, you know, Michael, if if he was called out, I would argue that. But if he would have called safe, I I wouldn't have. But I think it was one of those calls where it, it could have gone either way. But Johnny, how about you? Was there ever a time 
where you. I'm going just... to touch that before you go to Johnny first. Okay, go for it. I wouldn't have you had. had I wouldn't have had a problem with the umpire calling him out, but the umpire told me that he never jumped off of the bag to go get the ball, and that's where I lost it because um, he clearly jumped to get the ball, and he told me that he never left the bag. So that was where I lost it. But yeah, <laughs> move Johnny. But <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Johnny. Oh, uh, there was my sophomore year. There was an umpire that. It was just, I mean, it was, there was some iffy calls. It was balls and strikes all game, everything. It was just iffy all game. And at some point, I can't remember exactly when, but Michael said something to him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the umpire is just, young people are like, like you are ruining the game of baseball or something. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, do you remember uh, what was going on in that game or what that even came about? I, 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 uh, I don't, well, I do remember it, but, um, I don't remember what led up to it, but I do remember that it ended up being balls and strikes was the last straw. Cause you're not supposed to argue balls and strikes. And I know that, but it was more than that building up to it. And yeah, he did say something like that. He said, young people like you are, yes, yeah, ruining the game or something. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you probably uh, had had a comeback thinking, well, geez, it's umpires like you who don't know the rules and either have a strike zone the size of a tin can or or the size of a of a semi trailer that that are ruining it. Now, you guys said that you leave your victories and your losses um, at the field, but I do want to ask this: after a tough loss, are you able to keep it? at the baseball field or do you guys uh, take it home with you or do you text each other on things that you can improve on or, or things you could have done better? Or is it almost like the field of dreams? Once you step into that certain spot, you just kind of leave it where it's at. No. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You just leave them at the field. I mean, for me, I'd bring losses home to myself and I'll stew about them and think where we could, but I don't, I don't go out of my way to text Johnny about losses or even wins or anything like that. Uh, Rachel might, she might get the brunt of the losses, but I try not to. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm not going to text Johnny about them. I'll, I will text him, you know, I'll send him videos and different stuff that he can do. I mean, there's times where I'll be scrolling through something at 11 midnight and, so oh, this is a good drill, and I'll send it to Johnny. But nothing, nothing based off of games, really. Now, Johnny, how about you? Do you ever, after a game or after a poor performance, send your brother a text or or give him a call and say, "Hey, what did you notice that I was struggling with that could help me for the next doubleheader, or or what are or what are some drills that I could work on to help with this problem after an zero for four? I usually try to take care of it before I leave the field and once I get home it's just kind of it's done with you got to move on to the next one now you guys just had an absolutely devastating end to the season normally you want to be able to play it out and say that you at least had a chance um we know that senior ended the season due to a positive COVID test and you were not eligible for postseason play how did you handle that devastating news at the end of your season? Uh, you, yeah, you can go, Johnny. 
it, it was tough. It was just, it was kind of just, I, I seen it coming a little bit just because I read all the other schools already had one and it was just our turn, but it was just the way it happened and the way it ended. It was just, yeah, it was just tough. Michael, what were your thoughts and your feelings on when you weren't able to play it out? Um, I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking for the whole team, but really the senior class, knowing how much work they put in. Um, for me, it was really the seniors because that was where I started at sophomores. That, that was the class that I came up with. And um, so, yeah, it was heartbreaking to see that end of the season. Um, and I was, you know, at first you're worried about the kids' physical health, make sure they're okay with, you know, because this is a nasty virus. You don't want something bad to happen. But once you find out that they're all going to be okay, then then your mind starts racing to their mental side of it. I mean, it it was tough to deal with for some of the kids. And, I mean, it at that age, they're very impressionable. And it's a very important time in your life. So it, it would have been, I, for me, I couldn't even imagine being in that situation at 17, 18 years old and getting, you know, for me, baseball is probably top three, top five thing in my life, getting that taken away from you when you've worked so hard for it. So it was heartbreaking for them. And it was heartbreaking for me to see, the devastation in their eyes. So, yeah, you think about all the years that kids put in coming up through any of the little leagues through the Dubuque and extra work they may have put in in one of the local academies that we have, um, possibly playing travel baseball, and you're kind of building up to that junior and senior season to make yourself marketable to college programs. And then that senior year, especially with baseball in Iowa, it's kind of your last go around with your teammates and your friends and and to have that taken away. I really hope that in the in the upcoming years and possibly even next season that we have some type of rapid tests that teams and kids and schools can have where if we find out that a player on a team tests positive that we don't have to shut everything down we can just go and we can rapidly test every single kid in the program find out who has it isolate those kids and then the kids that that don't have it they can move forward and and continue to play now we're both uh you guys are both grown adults here and you played together in the semi-pro ranks. And Michael, I didn't realize until you said it that you had started um, the Dubuque Packers. But Johnny, you followed your brother to Clark University. Um, Michael, what are some of your greatest memories of playing at Clark? Oh man, uh, just the time you know, the time with the teammates. Uh, even bus rides were great, but how could I not say the conference championship that we won my last year there? That was pretty special. And I mean, really there was nothing like it celebrating with your team afterwards and pretty sure our bus broke down heading home afterwards. So that made it, that was pretty, that was something else, but yeah, winning that conference championship was awesome. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't play much at Clark until, probably the last two weeks of my last year there. So on the field, I didn't have too many 
too many memories, but it didn't matter to me. I was on a team. We were, we, it was a winning team. It was a great group of guys to be around. Um, love every single one of them still to this day. And they, uh, But, you know, I like I said, I didn't play much my whole year there. And then all of a sudden my name got called to – and unfortunately it was because of an injury at shortstop. My name got called to start against the number one team in the nation in the national tournament. And I uh, – it I didn't believe Spain at first. He coached Spain. He told me, and I was like, "What? Me? Really? All right." And then I kind of got a nervous bladder, so the first thing I did was ran to the bathroom. I had to go to the bathroom quick before the game started, and then I was ready to go. So those are a couple of my good memories, and I mean, yeah, just just being around the guys. And, and There's nothing that beats it. Clark had a run where they won a couple conference championships. Were you part of that team? that won the first conference championship that kind of really put Clark on the map? Yes, we were, yeah, down in uh, the Ozarks. That's it huge, was a blast, man. I, that, yeah, that was huge for not only Clark University, but also the Dubuque area. And people that love watching you guys in in high school get a chance to watch many of these guys at Clark because Coach Spain has done a great job of bringing some of the top preps to play at Clark. How did Coach Spain and his staff prepare you for life after baseball? And also, how did playing for him and his coaching staff, how does that help you in the coaching realm? Uh, Coach Spain, man, he helped me in a lot of ways. He, uh, he, he, I learned from him that nothing's going to be given to you. You have to earn everything. And you have to grind through if you want. Some days aren't going to be that great, but if you you just got to keep grinding. And no matter, it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't have to be on the baseball field. It can be at your business. And oh, you want that raise or you want that promotion? What are you going to do to get it? They're not going to give it to you. You have to go out and earn it and make a name for yourself. So just that work ethic, man. There's no one that. There's no one that works harder than that coaching staff, and they instill it in their players every, each and every year. So, yeah, my work ethic, I mean, it comes from my parents as well, but Coach Spain and Coach Res- Redman and Razo, they are – they're right up there with the – what they did for me. Coach Spain has that hashtag, winners win, and I've always referred to that as you see Clark University baseball players – doing so many great things in the community that don't even revolve around baseball. And when they leave his program, they are much better people than when they came there. Not saying that he's bringing in awful people, but it just seems like he has he has a touch um, with them. And I know I, I interviewed him for the podcast, and now him and I text back and forth uh, every now and then. But how, I just don't know how you cannot get inspired listening to that guy. He's such a great mind. He's, uh, he's very well-spoken. Johnny, you made a late switch to Clark. Why did you decide to make that switch, and, and what took you to Clark? So when I first committed to Southeastern, I, I was between a few schools, about three of them, and Clark was priming. I mean, it was right up there. I and I once I committed there, and then COVID started, and everything started happening, and 
I thought it was in my best interest to go to Clark, and I couldn't be happier with my decision. Could not be happier at all. It's interesting the story that kind of falls into place, and I'm not taking any credit for this at all, but um, we had mentioned you on the podcast, and and I can't even remember if it was that first episode or if you had made our preseason all-area team. I, I have no idea, but... I got a text from Coach Spain saying that he uh, was going to look at you. He wanted to give you another look because he thinks he may have dropped the ball and and he may have missed that. And it was cool to see um, the season that you had and um, seeing him at games and being able to connect with him and then seeing you make the switch to Clark University. And, And I can, as well as others, can see you. Um, continuing to play in the area. How are they planning on using you? Because from what I had seen, uh, saw from Twitter, it looked like that you were predominantly being recruited as a pitcher, but then you put up monstrous hitting stats this past season. Are you being looked at as a two-way player, or are you still just pitching for them, or, or what are they thinking about using you? Um, I, I'm looked at, or I'm going to try to be a two-way player as long as it lasts. I mean, I hope I can make it last. It's a lot of work, but I think it's going to be worth it. As long as I keep putting in the work, I think I'll be able to continue doing that. And I've seen they've been having scrimmages out at uh, AJ Spiegel Park. How have the scrimmages been going for you? Have you thrown yet? Have you been, um, what positions have you been playing? How have you been swinging it? I've been swinging it. Pretty well. I've been pitching, yeah, pretty well too. Had a tough first outing, kind of got my eyes open to the college level. And after that, settled in a little bit. You weren't the pitcher. I, I was following it on Instagram. There was one inning where it was tied two to two. And then after the next half inning, it was like 10 to two. One of the teams scored eight runs um, in a half inning. You weren't the pitcher on mound during that half inning, were you? No, I was in the inning before <laughs> when I gave up the first two runs. <laughs> well, that's good. It's it's better to give up to give up only three than eight. Now, I do want to talk about the semi-pro realm a little bit. And Michael, like I had said, I had no idea that you had started the Dubuque Packers. I always thought it was um, a Zelinskis that started, and I played against a Zelinskis growing up. I'm not sure if it's if it's the same one. But um, you guys, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, did you guys, uh, did the Packers win a tournament this year? Yes, we did. We, uh, let me touch on, so Mike Zelenskis is he's my buddy. We started it together. You probably know his brothers. He's got a couple of brothers, Travis Zelenskis, maybe. Um you know, there's I, another one. I can't see. I'm. I'll be 39 years old when this airs. But there was a Zelinskis that played at senior, and he was one of those kids where he was just good at everything. I mean, he played basketball. He was good. He played baseball. He was good. He'd probably be an excellent badminton player, synchronized swimmer. But he was one of those kids that played varsity like freshman all the way through senior year when when it was completely unheard of. So I'm sur- sure there's probably a connection. Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been his brother. But, yeah, anyways, we did win. We won the uh, Holy Cross tournament. It was our first ever tournament win. We're not in too many tournaments. Um, 
we had been in just two tournaments a year, and now this year we got invited to the Piazza tournaments. We were in three, but uh, we finished we finished with the best tournament record in the league, so we're pretty proud of that. And it was it was awesome winning our first tournament. Um, and I got to give a shout out to Clark, because quite a few Clark guys helped us get there, and they're a blast to play with. Even though I don't play with them at Clark anymore, they're they're a fun group of guys. Now, how come you guys are only in two tournaments a year? Is it just because of your coaching schedule at senior, or I believe you are considered an expansion team, and do they work you in slowly, or how does that go? Yeah, so there the, uh, are 16 team tournaments, and there's 18 teams in semi-pro. So we're the second newest team. The newest team is the East Dubuque Braves, just started this year. Um, so that's we kind of get left out. We're the 17th team right now. So it's just kind of a matter of if someone's gonna, if a team's gonna fold, or if someone decides to let us in over someone else, or like Piazza did this year, where they had all eighteen teams in the tournament and did two playing games, which was nice. Um, so it just kind of, yeah. I mean, Rickersville did it one year where they did a playing game and had all eighteen teams, and but yeah, we're just one of the newest teams, so we just haven't gotten that invite to all of them yet. I, I love that playing game, and I like the Piasta format. I thought they, they did a great job, and I actually went out to one of the games to watch uh, Tyler Soigling pitch, a good friend of mine, um, pops in and out of the show every now and then. Now, Johnny, I believe, did you play for Epworth in the Cascade Tournament, and did you win the MVP award of that tournament? Yeah. Now, tell tell us how it was playing for those rowdy boys in Epworth. Michael, did you play with them too, or did they only want Johnny? Oh, no, they only wanted Johnny. They don't want me. <laughs> so, what, Johnny, what was it like playing for the boys of Epworth? Oh, it's a good time. It's a good time. It's a lot better playing with them than against them. It's a pain playing against them. But <laughs> it's a blast playing with them. And what, what kind of tournament did you have? Because uh, – the tagline of the Cascade Tournament, I believe it's Iowa's oldest and best baseball tournament. And what, what kind of numbers did you put up to uh, earn that MVP award? Uh, I had two wins on the mound, and I hit like three or four doubles, I think. I only played three games, three out of four games that they did, so... What was it? What was it like uh, after they won that tournament? I'm pretty sure they probably partied into the wee hours of the night. Oh, yeah, I think they were partying until about 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, I love those guys. Johnny, what was it like making the jump from high school baseball to semi-pro? What would you say was the biggest difference or the adjustment that you had to make when you were playing? I would say just the pitching. I mean, it's not always that high level, but you're facing a bunch of guys that aren't just throwers like in high school like I just get on the mound and throw they they actually pitch and they know how to pitch to you now guys this is a question that I get every single time I, I, I do a podcast I think the people that ask this question just want to hear if their name gets mentioned or not it's a it's a way to get a, a, a shameless plug but Johnny you're a pitcher so the question's going to go both ways for you when you when you pitch Johnny who are some of the most feared hitters and then for both of you who are some of the most feared pitchers in the semi-pro realm when you guys step into the batter's box johnny i'll let you go first since you have that pitching and that hitting background 
I would say probably the most spirit hitter face is definitely Nate Rambler. Definitely. <laughs> I was in about eighth grade. I was pitching in semi-pro in eighth grade, and he almost hit a home run off me dead center at Petrakis, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it kind of like the home run you hit at senior against Western Dubuque? I don't think that one's come down yet. Holy cow, that was a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Who, who are who are some of the other the other guys that you're a little safer with or you tend to pitch around when you're on the mound? It's a tough one. You're gonna have to come back to me on that one. All right, I'll, I'll give you some time to think, Michael. Who are some of the some of the pitchers that are are difficult to face when you step into the box? Oh man, I gotta start with Andrew Redman. He was uh, I've only faced him once or twice, but definitely don't want to face him again. Um, I'm glad they asked me to play in some tournaments now, so I don't have to. <laughs> they. Uh, um, I always have trouble with Seabrook, Andy Seabrook, even though he's a lefty and I'm a righty. I just, I never have success off him. And Aaron Soigling, he can't touch him either. Don't, never have, don't think I ever will. And, and he's, he's still a little bit from the side, isn't he? Because I know when we faced him in high school, he was three-fourths or three-quarters or a little bit from the side. Is he still that way? Yeah, he is. And he, uh, he almost like, he steps across, but not like not across his body, but almost like towards the left-handed batter's box. So he opens way up, and then he's just got a devastating slider that I can't pick up for the life of me. And you mentioned him before, uh, Anthony Rudin from your high school days. He had quite the semi-pro season as well. Uh, how, how'd you do against him in semi-pro this year? Luckily, I never had to face him. I don't. I don't think I've ever faced him in semi-pro. But if I did, he'd definitely be up there. Definitely would be on that list. Johnny, how about you? Who are some of those pitchers that when you step into the box that you'd rather have uh, taken the night off? Definitely uh, Seabrook. That's a tough at-bat. Especially I faced him on the Holy Cross mound. That's about already three feet up there. So it looks like he's coming up (laughs) 10 feet. And it's just... It was a struggle. <laughs> now, did you ever have an opportunity to face your current assistant coach at Clark University, Andrew Redman, or not? I have not yet. I'm I'm looking forward to it if I ever get a chance, but I have not yet. Played with him, not against him yet. Gentlemen, anything you'd like to add, anything you'd like to promote or plug before I ask my final question and we hit into that podcast ending double play? No, I don't have too much. Um, I've already touched on the mental side of the game. I just think that it's it kind of gets lost in some of this travel ball. I would say not, and it's not. It's I'm not taking a shot at anyone or anything or any coaches on that travel ball. But I think it goes to. I think young kids just need to watch more baseball. Um, maybe it's boring to them. I don't know. But if you you can get you can become a better player just by watching the game and. I mean, I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but I can think back to this week already just watching the Reds and Padres base running blunders that cost, I mean, Padres have cost them game one, and the Reds obviously didn't score for 22 innings. <laughs> um, 
So it comes, a lot of it came down to their base running. And I think kids can learn a lot from that. And just the announcers talking the game and listening to them. And cause you don't have to be, you don't have to be the best athlete or the biggest power hitter, or the best arm or the fastest kid on the team. Obviously all that helps, but you don't have to have all that to be a good player. Um, just learn how to play the game, when to make the right plays and, you're going to be just fine. You're exactly right. And we just had Isaac Evans on the podcast. And I had shared that I thought that his greatest aspect of his toolkit for baseball is his baseball IQ and, and how he came up with that baseball IQ. Johnny, anything you want to talk about, promote or plug before I ask my final question? I don't think so. I think we got it all. Perfect. I'd like to thank the Chief Bat Company. Find them on Facebook for sponsoring this episode. I would like to thank the Blake brothers, Michael and Johnny, for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Last question, guys. What can we expect from the Blake brothers this year and beyond? Michael? Uh, I hope I hope we become just a fixture in Dubuque County baseball, whether it's semi-pro or the high school or college level. Um just become a fixture around here and I, I mean I hope to be around the semi-pro game until until I'm Johnny Knobble's age <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for but yeah so just being around baseball it's what we'd love to do how about you Johnny what can we expect from you this year and beyond just keep working hard getting better improving Gentlemen, best of luck to you both. I can't wait to follow your career. And best of luck to Michael and the Senior Baseball Program on their upcoming season. 6-4-3. We're out of here. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.